0: You're listening to an Airwave Media podcast. Keep your mental health muscles strong with the Emotional Badass Podcast. I'm Nikki Eisenhower, your host, psychotherapist, and life coach. The Emotional Badass Podcast is your place to learn the mental health tips and tricks you need to build emotional resilience and practice mindfulness and gratitude. Join me every week for new episodes to reach a more grounded state of well being as life brings its challenges. Search for Emotional Badass wherever you get your podcasts. Hello everyone, it's Takuya here. And I'm Gabby. And we are the hosts of History of Everything, a podcast which you can probably guess by the name is, well, I mean, it's about everything. Do you want to know why people thought potatoes were evil and would give you syphilis? Are you curious about all the stories of the terrible and stupid ways that people have kicked the bucket over the years? Do you want to hear tales about all of the different badasses of history and the lives... That they had brought to life well if so then look no further history of everything is just the right podcast for you it's available on spotify pandora and anywhere else that you get your podcast from join us for some fun and just see how weird and wacky history can be
1: I say howdy, it doesn't matter. Welcome or welcome back if you've been here before, or just welcome if you're new to Who Did What Now, the History eh, podcast. <laughs> With me, your egregious host, Katie Charlewood, broadcast bitch and reader of books. If you are new here, welcome to your weekly dose of. Historical information. It's mainly about a person. Sometimes it's about an event. It could even be about a thing sometimes. Who knows? I certainly don't. If I think it's interesting, I'm going to talk about it. And that's generally how it goes here. In addition to this podcast, I also have an Instagram, Who Did What Now Pod, a Twitter, Who Did What Now PD, because there's too many characters in Who Did What Now Pod, and of course, TikTok, uh, where I share bite sized moments of information. And I also have a Facebook page now. I made one of those because apparently I was told I should. So I did that too. So that also exists. On TikTok, I generally talk about something from history in 60 seconds or less. There's currently a little Q&A on my page. So people go on there and they request me to talk about stuff. And I usually do. So. I have news. My lovely followers. Subscribe. My lovely uh, audience. I have set up a Patreon by request because the thing about this is it's completely independent. It's all done by me and it's all done on a shoestring budget because... Because I am a broke-ass bitch. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, so you can get... I'll be doing some bonus episodes. There'll be like monthly AMAs, Ask Me Anything. There'll be, you know, exclusive content that's going to be only on Patreon. You know and there's going to be more stuff being added depending on how this goes if more people follow me and and support me that means that i can just keep making more content like someone asked if i would start doing a youtube series so it would be in longer form and the thing is with youtube is it's so labor intensive i used to make youtube i used to work with um youtubers back in the day so i know how labor intensive that work can be and so currently that's not on the cards just because of everything that's going on right now. But I do hope to eventually start doing that. It just depends on how well I do and how long I'm still on furlough. So currently, YouTube isn't happening, but I would love it to happen. But it does mean, like it means investing in like editing software and lights and, and a laptop that you that makes a weird humming noise until you give it a good shake and it starts running normally. You know what I mean? Yeah. So... And obviously hosting is another thing as well, because I, I'm committing a lot of time already to do like what I'm doing. But here's the thing as well. And it's starting from, I think like one euro is the like the lowest amount you can do. So I think that's like 150 in dollars and I don't know the pounds, like probably like 70p or something. But it's very... So, like, I wanted to give people an option where they could be, like, just give, like, a euro a month. Because I don't want to be a dick about it, you know what I mean? Anyway, other ways to support me, I should say. uh, It means that more people can hear my podcast, see my videos, and so on and so forth. Like, another request I got was for a children, like, a kids-friendly sort of history sort of series that I would do. Because the problem with history is that it is very gory and very depressing. And some facts are just too grisly for, you know, nine-year-olds. But currently, I don't have the time for that. But, but hopefully, I'll start doing that when I get myself a bit more organised, hopefully. Anyway, although there are other ways you can support me. You can uh, follow me on the social medias because that's always pretty good on the business end. And I am on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, all of the other places where you listen to podcasts. I am generally there. If you go onto Apple Podcasts and you rate and review... Or if you're, if you are listening to me on Spotify, if you pay for Spotify, if you could download the episode, that really helps. But rate and review on Apple, that would be super awesome. And you can give me me five stars. And you can say anything. You can say, unicorns are my favourite animal. You can say, never eat shredded wheat. It doesn't matter. It's all helping. Anyway, let's get down to what we're here for. History stuff. Shut your mouth and give me history. So... Let's get down to what we're all here for. You're like, give me some facts. Well, give me one wee second, because I have to cite my sources. we gotta be, we got to be respectful about this. This week, we are talking about America's first serial killer, apparently. H.H. H. Holmes. People talk like he's this big boogeyman. He's a monster. He's, you know, he's this monster. He's the devil. Uh, uh, I think he's just a prick, to be honest. At sources, we have... H. H. Holmes, The True History of the White City Devil, um, by Adam Selzer. We have Eric Larson's The Devil in the White City. And then I've got articles on history.com, britannica.com, biography.com, etc, etc. Let's talk about this, shall we? H. H. Holmes, America's first serial killer. The notorious devil in the white city. He who built a murder castle to lure innocent victims in during the World Fair. This macabre hotel had trapdoors. Basement crematorium. Shirts that led down to the basement and sealed rooms and gas chambers and oh, ah, and, and oh, the demon um is all a load of bollocks. And I'ma tell you why. Let's start at the beginning. In a move that surprises absolutely no one, H. H. Holmes is uh not this gentleman, if we can call him that, real name. He was born Herman Webster Mudgett, on May 16th, 1861, in Gilmanton. Gilmanton, New Hampshire. His parents were Levi Horton Mudgett and Theodate Page Price. And both his maternal and paternal side were direct descendants from the English immigrants who had settled in the area. Herman Webster Mudgett was the third of five children. He had an older sister, Ellen, an older brother, Arthur, a younger brother, Henry, and a younger sister, Mary. Now, I don't want to be mean about this, but it appears to me that Holmes here is suffering from a severe case of middle child syndrome. So, Mudgett slash Holmes, his family aren't poor. You know, his dad comes from this farming family, and his dad's always working. He's, like, farming, he's trading, he's painting houses. You know, there's always money coming in. And as Herman is going through his schooling, he is noted to have... Higher than average intelligence, which is, uh, I think, a compliment. Higher than average. You're better than general. And you may hear that, like, he tortured animals and did all this kind of stuff. And it's like, because they're they're trying to make him fit into this general uh, serial killer pattern. You know, a lot of serial killers have a a certain sort of origin story, shall we say. So usually there's a, a childhood head injury. There's... Torturing, maiming, or killing animals. Sometimes they're they're a victim of abuse, uh, whether it's physical, emotional, or sexual. These seem to be a common a common line that runs through. But as far as we know, Holmes didn't have any of that going on. It's sometimes suggested or added in to kind of support this serial killer theory, but there's no evidence. There's no evidence to this. So. When he turns 16, he graduates from Phillips Exeter Academy and he takes teaching jobs in Gilmanton and then in Alton. And on the 4th of July, Independence Day, 1878, he marries Clara Lovering in Alton. And they have a son, Robert Lovering Mudgett, and he's born on February 3rd, 1880. So after this, Holmes enrols in the University of Vermont in Burlington uh, when he's like 18. But for whatever reason, he's like unhappy with being there. I don't know why. Maybe it's because he's barely better than average. Who knows? And he fucks off. After one year, in 1882, he joins the University of Michigan's Department of Medicine and Surgery. And after two years, he graduates. So he's a doctor and he graduates in two years. I realise this is the past and they're just handing out doctorates like jub But like, two years just seems a little bit slim even in the 1880s, it just seems teeny bit slim, Nana. that in two years, you're going to have enough knowledge to be a, ge- what, a general practitioner, maybe a mortician, maybe? I don't know. Anyway, yeah, graduates in 1884. And oh, yes, the absolute gobbermouch that is H. 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 Holmes, or Herman Webster Mudgett, as he is at this time, he works in the anatomy lab and he also... He puts out all these insurance claims. Because he's a wee sleight-it bastard. So what he does is he puts out these insurance claims on these people. Steals the cadavers from the lab and then, like, injures them or disfigures them or burns them in some way and makes it look like they died in an accident. And then he claims the insurance money. So while he's studying medicine... He is defrauding insurance companies. When some people go to college, they get a new hobby. Sometimes they learn to play the guitar. Sometimes they enjoy a good game of ski ball. But this motherfucker right here, his hobby was defrauding life insurance companies. Uh, uh. Mudgett graduates in 1884, but before he does, his wife Clara leaves him. She fucks off back to New Hampshire with her baby, Robert, Robert, what a weird name for a baby. Anyway, so she leaves him because he's a violent piece of shit and then she like never hears from him again. So Holmes moves around a bit after that and he gets to Philadelphia, Pennsylvania and he gets a job as a keeper in Norriston State Hospital but he ends up quitting after a couple of days. Maybe, maybe getting to the cadavers was a bit more work this time. By the time he gets to Chicago, Herman Webster Mudgett in a move that surprises absolutely fucking no-one, he decides to change his name to Dr. Henry Howard Holmes. So apparently, one of the reasons that he chose the name, the surname Holmes was as an homage to the fictional detective by Sir Arthur Conan Doyle, Sherlock Holmes. Uh, uh, uh. Maybe he really liked alliteration. Maybe he just wanted it to spell <sighs> Who knows? I mean, really. So yeah, August 1886, uh, he's in Chicago. And, you know, at some point comes across this drugstore, this pharmacy, um, owned by Elizabeth S. Holton and her husband. And it's at the northwest corner of South Wallace Avenue and West 63rd Street in Englewood. So Dr. Holton, the husband, so he and Holmes, they're both Michigan alumni. And he's actually only a couple years older than Holmes, And he thinks, you know what, this dude is really hardworking. So he's like, gives him a job and he keeps him there. So, fun fact. So like, for some reason, when this story is retold, the Holtons are seen as like these elderly people. And that, even though himself was only like a few years older than Holmes. And, and for some reason, they always portray the story as, you know, he convinces the wife to take out a life insurance policy on the husband. The husband dies. And then the wife mysteriously disappears After leaving him in charge of the drugstore slash pharmacy. However, this is a straight up bollocks. Because both Dr. and Mrs. Holton outlived Holmes and survived until the 20th century. So like directly across from this drugstore, across the street, there's this empty plot. And Holmes is like, "Mm, I like this. And he has a plan. But before that, he gets married. And I know you're thinking, isn't he already married? Yes. Yes, he is. At some point in 1886, when he's, like, still married to Clara, he marries Myrta Belknap in Minneapolis, Minnesota. And, like, a few weeks later, he fails for divorce from Clara. The reason for the divorce being... And the reason he petitions the divorce he's saying, like, that she's, she's a cheater, she's cheating on me, says the bigamist. But, like, the claims, they couldn't be proven. And partially because she wasn't even notified. Like, he never got to the point of actually notifying her of this information like he knows where she is he could have found her but then that would have mean her knowing where he was so especially after having a name change so yeah Clara's never informed of what's going on and the divorce doesn't go through it's never finalized and it actually ends up being dismissed in 1891 on the grounds of want of prosecution basically meaning you, you didn't bring any proof you didn't have any follow-through go fuck yourself So Holmes didn't actually live in Chicago. He actually lived in, like, he technically lived in Wilmot and Alloy with Myrta and Lucy, but then he would bugger off back to Chicago in order for him to do shit. In 1887, construction begins in the empty lot that Holmes purchases for this two-story mixed-use building. So the bottom floor, what I would call the bottom floor, but, but a lot of the stuff I read referred to it as a first floor. But to me, the first floor is after the ground floor. So you've got the ground floor, then the first floor. But um here, first floor means the ground floor, so we're gonna go with that. Just in case anyone gets a wee bit um it doesn't make sense to somebody like me who was very confused and I was like, so it's a four story building and it's like no. <laughs> so anyway, two story mixed use building on this bottom floor, the first floor. You know, it's all retail spaces and shop fronts, and he wants to put like a drugstore in there so he's got his own, so on and so forth so this um <clears throat> murder castle So he's building this place and it ends up being a labyrinth and it ends up having these and it has these hidden spaces okay so here's the thing the hidden spaces are technically correct but it wasn't for murder it's basically like having a smuggling compartment on a ship or whatever the fuck, because he would use it to hide stuff that he'd gotten from his suppliers So basically, Holmes hires all these architects and he hires um, a steel company, Aetna Iron and Steel. And they end up actually suing him in 1888. But Holmes, like, he also doesn't pay his architects. He doesn't pay furniture suppliers. He just doesn't pay people. Like, I think the reason why he kept, because he kept firing and hiring, like, contractors and architects and things like that. So, like, it wasn't for, like, this big elaborate blah, 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 blah. Part of it was so that nobody knew what was going on, obviously, because he wanted to have places to store his shit because he was a fucking... Because he was a con man and a thief and just a shitty person in general. But... So sometime between 1888 and 1891, he decides he's going to add a third floor. So he tells investors and suppliers that he wants to use it as a hotel for the World's Columbian Exhibition which is basically the World's Fair in Chicago. Huh. This creditor of H.H. H. Holmes, John DeBruyne, he's in the drugstore and he dies on 8th, April 17th, 1891, and he dies of apoplexy. What we don't know is if Holmes was involved or not. I'm just saying it's suspicious. I'm saying he probably did it. You know, I th- I think Mr. I think Mr. Debrell was coming over looking for his money or looking for something back. And Holmes was like, okay, I'm not getting at this one. Boom, boom, boom. Poisons the motherfucker. Anyway, take this drink. Don't ask why it smells of almonds. So later on, later in 1891, Ned Connor and his wife, Julia Smythe, had moved into the apartments in Holmes's building. So those two also have a kid together, Peril and... And Ned ends up working in the jewellery counter in the pharmacy. So, Julia and Holmes, they start having an affair. When Ned finds out about the affair, he's like, fuck this for a game of soldiers. Off he pops, quits his job, and moves away. He leaves Smythe and he leaves their daughter, Peril, behind. So, Smythe, she gains custody of Peril and she stays at the hotel and she stays in the apartment and continues her affair with Holmes. So, 1891, Christmas Eve, Julia and Peril. and vanish. Disappear. A wee while later on, Holmes claims that Julia dies as a result of... Everybody
0: shush! William Shatner has something to say. Cat and Jethro box of oddities. What do you do when the woman you love dies? Emotional Badass is the weekly mental health and wellness podcast dedicated to empowering you with the emotional education so many of us crave. I'm Nikki Eisenhower, a psychotherapist with expertise in talk therapy, personal growth, and therapeutic healing. Join me every week on the Emotional Badass Podcast as we delve into the heart of emotional wellness, tackling topics from stress management and coping strategies to the nuances of being highly sensitive. We navigate life's challenges, uncover the subtleties of gaslighting and manipulation, and confront narcissism head on. All the while, we learn to forge healthy boundaries that enrich both our personal and romantic relationships. With brand new content every Sunday and over 300 past episodes in our archive, there's something for everyone. Search for Emotional Badass wherever you get your podcasts. A botched abortion. Because, you know, he's
1: a doctor and he basically tries to, like, give her an abortion and she dies as a result of it. One... This doesn't explain what happened to Peril. And two, it seems more likely that she was probably causing more trouble than she was worth. So she dies of a botched abortion. He fucking panics. So she dies. He covers it up. Whatever way. So he strips and mounts the skeleton and then sells it to like a lab or a hospital or a doctor or whatever. And what happens to Peril? Well, she was small. She would have been easy to get rid of, but like, ugh. And this is not the first of women who know homes to disappear. It seems like it's much easier to get rid of a mistress than it is to, you know, be with her or whatever. Cause H H Holmes, Mr. Mudget here, is a fucking misogynist. So there's another chick who is apparently another one of Holmes's flings, Emmeline Sigrand, and she worked in the building in, in May 1892, and then she disappears in December. And then Edna Van Tassel was supposed to be known by Holmes and then she disappears. So Holmes, he's out working on the chemical bank on Dearborn Street and he meets this dude, Benjamin Pitzel. He's a carpenter who's got a bit of a criminal past because who didn't? And basically Holmes starts using Pitzel as his sort of right-hand man. They become business partners and they basically get involved in all of these schemes, shall we say. It's early 1893. Um, There's this actress, Minnie Williams, and she moved to Chicago. Dr. Holmes here claims that he met her in an employment office. So he meets this Minnie, offers her a job in his job as his personal stenographer. And she's like, absolutely 100%. So Minnie Williams, she has this property in Fort Worth, Texas. And Holmes convinces her to transfer the deed to a man called Alexander Bond. Here's the thing. Alexander Bond is just another alias of Herman Webster Mudgett. H fucking Holmes. <sighs> so many volumes, her dad was like an actual physician. So he leaves his oldest daughter, Minnie, like money and real estate and, you know, all that stuff that Holmes wants to get his filthy grumpy little fucking hands on. And when she meets Holmes, he's going by the, the, al- the alias Edward Hatch. So he's draining her for money. So Holmes tells Minnie that he's going to marry her, right? So Minnie's sister Nanny is going to come in and visit because she's going to be at her sister's wedding. So she travels in. She's like, I'm going to be maid of honour. It's going to be fabulous. I'm going to get you the right flowers. I'm going to fight with anybody who ruins your day. I'm here for you, sis. So what happens is she travels in from Texas and Holmes meets her at the station, saying, I'm going to take you in to your sister. No worries. I'm the new hubby. I'm the hubby to be. It's going to be all nice. So he takes her. So Nanny never actually sees her sister. Holmes makes sure to take all of Nanny's money. And then he kills her. Initially, in his paid confession, I swear to God, he says that Minnie killed Nanny because uh, nanny was because she was jealous of her. So she hit her on the head with a chair. And he just covered up the crime by throwing Nanny's body in a lake. Because, you know, you know how it is. So yeah, Holmes and Williams, Minnie Williams... You know, they start acting like husband and wife, but they don't actually get married. They rent an apartment in Lincoln Park in Chicago. But by July 5th, 1893, neither of the Williams sisters were seen alive. The Williams sisters, many he poisons, and Nanny, he suffocates and then disposes after making her sign over everything she owned to him. And apparently at some point he goes travelling and looks for the Williams' brother. I couldn't find confirmation on this, but like this is a this is a ticket, if you will. He apparently goes and finds the brother so he can kill him and therefore there's no one to contest his claims on the Williams property. But yeah, take that with a pinch of salt. At some point At some point during all this, the reason some of the bodies weren't found was Holmes actually pulled a Birkin hair, properly did it. So he, and, you know, sometimes another person whom he hired, so he basically prepares them for medical purposes. So he decides to use all his connections, all his medical training, all that stuff, and he makes skeletons to be sold to schools and medical labs, anatomy training, all that kind of stuff. He basically strips the, you know, removes the flesh, dissects them, uh, removes all the in- intestines, insanguinates and, and the whole shebang. And then whatever is left, the goo that is left, ends up getting chucked in, like, a lime pit or is put in acid and things like that. Any sort of way to break down the smooshy body parts. And these, these skeletons, I mean, whoever this hired assistant was, I don't know, but they might have thought they were just doing, like, work work and not, you know... Disposing of human remains post-murder, but whatever. So somewhere between 1893 and 1894, the world fair's over. Which, by the way, very few people actually came to stay in his quote-unquote hotel. He never really used it as such. 1893, 1894, he's got these creditors are hounding him. He's already been sued by one motherfucking group. So he's, you know, he's got to get the hell out of Dodge. So 1894, where does he go? Fort Worth. He's like, ha-ha, the property from the Williams sisters. What a crazy random happenstance. Woohoo! So he actually gets arrested in St. Louis, Missouri. For the first time, he's arrested for the first time because he's charged with selling mortgaged goods. He gets bailed out. And so while he's in jail, you know, he becomes, he becomes, what's it called? Fucking buddies, buddies, buddies. Prison pals with this dude called Marion Hedgebeth. Hedgeworth is serving this 25-year sentence and the two of them have this plan to defraud an insurance company out of $10,000. So the plan is to take a policy out of himself and then fake his death. He promises Hedgeworth like a $500 commission in exchange for the name of a lawyer who can be trusted. So Holmes gets bailed out anyway. And he goes to this attorney called Jep the Hope. Who finds this scheme absolutely glorious? It's brilliant, it's fantastic, it's mm. genius. But the insurance company becomes suspicious and they refuse to play. And so Holmes is like, mm, okay, nope. Decides instead to speak to good old Pitzel. Pitzel? Pitzel? which uh, This is going to change the more I say it. So Pitzel, you know, the career criminal from earlier, he's like, Benjamin, we called him Benjamin, Benjamin's so much easier. So Benjamin agrees. So he's like, yeah, I'm a fake my own death. My wife can get the 10,000. Oh, and my, and my wife can collect the insurance policy and we can all split it. It'll be, it'll be super awesome. Um, we'll split it three ways. So Holmes, Ho and Benjamin. Now, as schemes go, it's a wee bit convoluted. So he's going to go to Philadelphia and set himself as an inventor under the name of B.F. Perry. And then he has to be killed and disfigured in a lab explosion. Ho has to be the, maybe it's how I'm going to call him Ho. His job is to like be the the official person on this. Petzl has to be, you know, the fall guy, the body. And Holmes, his role is to find an appropriate cadaver. However, he decides it's a much better idea to kill Benjamin. He knocks him unconscious and then sets him on fire. So when Holmes confesses, like, he says that Peitzel was still alive when he, you know, after he chloroformed him. Because, I mean, chloroform in general has to be very specific because you have to think of the body weight of the person that's using it. And if someone inhales it too strongly or too quickly, or if they're panicking, they can inhale too much of it and they could die. That's just how chloroform works. But, and it's not quick. Chloroform is not quick. You have to be really strong. And I just, I... mm. I don't know how forensics worked in the 1890s, but as far as they could surmise, it seemed like the chloroform had been administered after the death, which is like, okay, so what do you know? Genuine corpse. So the insurance company, they pay out. Holmes, who is a charming and charismatic con man, because of course he fucking is, convinces widow who is unaware she's a widow, she thinks that Benjamin has just is just off hiding somewhere, that he's in England or Europe or something like that. And somehow this absolute golumpus convinces this poor woman to allow three out of her five children to be in his care. Her eldest daughter and her baby stay with her. So Holmes is traveling throughout America, um, so he's travelling throughout the United States with these three kids and also he's telling Mrs Spitzel to go, like, you know, a similar route, um sort of parallel, actually. And he's using all these different aliases, like Edward, Harry, Henry, whatever. Maybe he's even using his actual name at one point. I don't fucking know. Anyway, well, as far as she's aware, he's travelling with her children. So when Holmes is travelling around with the kids, he's, like, taking them to zoos and stuff and he's using them for schemes I mean, travelling around with three children makes you seem like a more respectable fellow, it really does. However, once they outlive their usefulness, he decides they can no longer live. So at some point during this, in 1894, he gets married again to Georgina Yoke. He's renting this house on 16 St. Vincent Street in Toronto, which no longer exists, by the way. And he forces Alice and Nelly into a trunk, drills a hole in it, into this like large trunk, locks it, drills a hole in it, puts a pipe in it and pumps gas inside to kill them. I think most of his murders were done like by gas or by sort of poisoning things that were, that didn't involve a lot of physical hands-on because I don't know if you ever tried to strangle somebody but that's like a lot of effort and I don't think he wanted to do that. I think he wanted to use the easiest route possible for him. For some reason the the bodies are nude when he buries them in the cellar of this rental house. And then at one point, Holmes rents this cottage in Indianapolis, where he goes to like a local drugstore pharmacy, buys a bunch of drugs, and he uses them to kill young Howard Pitz- Pitzel. So that's <clears throat> So that's those three kids all dead. He goes to a repair shop and sharpens a bunch of knives, chops the body up, puts it in a fireplace, and burns it. So Holmes ends up being arrested in Boston, on November 17th, 1894, after being tracked there from Philadelphia by the Pinkertons. Like, the Pinkertons. The Pinkerton Detective Agency? Those motherfucking Pinkertons. Anyway, who are... We will discuss at some point also, yes. So him and his unsuspecting third wife, who seems to, you know, think that her lovely husband is helping these children who mysteriously disappear for some fucking reason, are... So, like, it appears that her and him are getting ready to just, like flee the country again so they're demanding to go somewhere just escape so basically they they hold him because he has an outstanding warrant for horse theft in texas the reason the pinkertons were involved is because fidelity the insurance agency fidelity mutual life association they were like suspicious and his ex-cellmate hedgebeth And basically tipped them off, going, yeah, there he is. Because he was like, I didn't get my money, you fucking prick. Because he was still a bit disgruntled about not getting his money from before. So he was like, I'm going to screw you over, bitch. So Holmes is arrested. And so, obviously, like, they find the bodies of the two girls. And they get suspicious, so they start investigating the castle. And what they do find, so they find, like, hinged rooms and secret compartments and stuff. They find the basement where, you know, they've got the remains of the bodies of, you know, his ex-mistress. And I say ex-mistress, we don't know if it's them the like, chances are it's, it's them. So the police start checking out the castle, as it's called, and what do they find but furniture and other supplies and stuff that Holmes just hadn't paid for. He just scammed a bunch of people out of it. So in 1895, Holmes is put on trial for the murder of Benjamin Pitzel, and he is found guilty and he is sentenced to death. So this is where Holmes starts acting, shall we say. So after he is convicted, right, Holmes starts confessing to all these murders. Quite a few of these people were supposedly killed by Holmes, but they weren't. So he says he kills Robert Leacock, who's like a former schoolmate. He says he kills him in 1886 for a life insurance policy. One, this policy is never taken out. And two, Robert Leacock didn't die until 1889, so eh, that's wrong. He also confesses to the murder of... Miss Kate Durkee, who um was also alive. And there's like more of them. Like he says he, he murdered them, but and they, um, they just didn't. So the Harris newspapers are like, okay, Holmes, we will pay you $7,500 for your confession. And he's like, right, okay, super. So he confesses and makes his money. But also, in addition, furthermore, Holmes gives all these different accounts... Of his life so like at one point he's saying he's innocent and another point he's saying he is possessed by satan he talks about how he's a monster who was like the reason he exists is to kill and that he's filled with monstrous urges and I mean, he picked people with the purpose of killing them and blah 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 and he talks about how he's beginning to resemble the devil. But you know, fuck him. We don't care. You know, he can say his bullshit all he likes. It just seems like he's like, you know what? I'm going out. I'm going at the bang. I think he just does it to fuck with people. He just wants to. He wants this notoriety. You know what I mean? So before before he's due to get, you know, a short stop and a sudden drop, he asks to be buried ten feet deep, and and his coffin to be like contained in cement. Which they do, because he was like, I don't want grave robbers to steal my body for dissection. Oh, sucks to be you, don't it? So on the 7th of May, 1896, Henry Howard Holmes is hanged at the Philadelphia County Prison. He was super calm and chilled. Gets the rope. He gets his short drop. And a sudden stop. Except it's not so sudden, is it? Unfortunately for Dr. H. H. Holmes here, his neck doesn't actually snap upon the uh, descent. Instead, what happens is he is strangled slowly. He dies an excruciatingly slow death and is twitching for over 15 minutes before being pronounced dead. So yeah, he is buried in a coffin, covered in cement, and it's six foot deep. In 1895, the castle was um, broken into by some men and who commit arson? They basically commit arson. So these two dudes set the place on fire. And even though it's like being caught by fire, the building actually survives until 1938 when it is torn down. Good fucking redens. Oh, and currently, currently where this murder castle was, the, the 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 post office is there. The Englewood branch of the United States Postal Service. They must feel. Super happy there. Okay, so by the time 2017 comes along, there's all these conspiracy theories about how Holmes faked his death and that how he's like, he escaped. So his descendants agree to have, you know, the body exhumed and tested. See, the thing is, because his, the coffin was encased in cement, the body hadn't actually, like, decomposed in the manner that it normally would. So the clothes are all perfect, and his, even his moustache is there. His moustache is still, like, intact. So they do DNA testing on it, from, and they check his teeth, and they're like, yeah, this is Holmes, no worries, we got the dude. And then they rebury him, no harm, no foul. So that is the story of H. H. Holmes, Herman Webster Mudgett, Otter gobshite. Frankly, here ends our tale of murder. So what have, we... so what have we learned today? Ah, uh, don't trust men with mustaches. I'm telling you, Bela Keish, Kaiser Wilhelm II, Henry Howard Holmes, Stalin, <laughs> Hitler, anybody with a weird mustache. Just like no, I'm telling you. So like you know that mixologist you know with the dapper mustache. Don't trust him. He's a deviant somehow. Don't know how, but he's a deviant. Maybe he's a deviant in the way you like, but we'll never know. Anyway, stay safe. <laughs> um also, we need to know that we need to go back and check fact check. Unfortunately, in the 1890s, a lot of the newspapers were like so sensationalized that like a lot of the information we get is often misconstrued. It's kind of like the concept of the ripper. When they talk about about rapper killings, it's just the manner of killing, which you make, It's that sort of slashing. Like a slasher kill, as opposed to Holmes, which was very much into the whole poison thing. And also, you know, setting people on fire while they're still alive. But like, whatever, okay, never mind. And that is today's show. And hopefully that has satiated your curiosity regarding the con man that is H.H. Holmes. Triple H, sorry. (laughs) It's not funny. He would have been a terrible wrestler. I look forward to chatting to you next week, where we're going to talk about some... Super awesome ladies, wah 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 wah! Women, I can't wait. I'm so excited. But for now, I shall bid you farewell, and I shall say adios, au revoir, auf Wiedersehen, revoir, my friends.
0: Bye bye. Keep your mental health muscles strong with the Emotional Badass Podcast. I'm Nikki Eisenhower, your host, psychotherapist, and life coach. The Emotional Badass Podcast is your place to learn the mental health tips and tricks you need to build emotional resilience and practice mindfulness and gratitude. Join me every week for new episodes to reach a more grounded state of well-being as life brings its challenges. Search for Emotional Badass wherever you get your podcasts.